What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. Today's episode is with Ice Cube. Ice Cube is a rapper, actor, filmmaker, entrepreneur, and founder of Big Three. In this conversation, we talk about his ability to excel in several industries, why he's building the Big Three, his current investments, crypto, his favorite movies and diss tracks, and even who would win in a one-on-one game of basketball, Ice Cube or Snoop Dogg. This episode was a lot of fun to record, and I hope you enjoy it also. But before we get into it, let's quickly run through today's sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Whoop. Whoop is a 24-7 personalized fitness wearable that's here to help you improve your recovery, sleep, fitness, and health. It's the one tech product that I wear 24-7. Here's how it works. Each day when you get up, Whoop gives you a recovery score based on your sleep, resting heart rate, respiratory rate, and heart rate variability. Your score lets you know how to approach your day, whether you should push yourself during your workout or activity, or if you should skip the gym and take a rest day. You wear your Whoop on your wrist, bicep, or now within one of their new smart clothing garments called Whoop Body. The band connects with an app on your phone, and it automatically measures your heart rate, calories, and activity levels throughout the day. The band also automatically detects and classifies your workouts, so there's never an issue in forgetting to press go on a run anymore. You can then analyze your activity levels in the app. There's also a ton of coaching features within it like Strain Coach, which gives you target workout exertion goals tailored to your body's recovery level for that day. Those goals change over the course of the day, depending on how active you've been. That coaching is where Roop really shines. Whether you're interested in how CBD or alcohol impacts your sleep and recovery, or you're just wondering how long of a run you should go on, Whoop is there to provide you with personalized data to make sure you're aware of the impact these decisions have on your body. And Whoop is now offering 15% off their new Whoop 4.0 right now with the code Joe at checkout. Go to Whoop, W-H-O-O-P.com and enter Joe, J-O-E, at checkout to save 15%. Sleep better, recover faster, train smarter, and now feel healthier with Whoop. Next up is 8Sleep. 8Sleep has dramatically improved my daily performance. Good sleep is the ultimate game changer and nature's best medicine. Consistent good sleep can help reduce the likelihood of serious health issues, yet still more than 30% of Americans struggle with sleep and temperature is one of the main causes of poor sleep. For me, I was never able to get a good sleep because I was always too hot, but now I'm falling asleep in record time, faster than I have ever before, all thanks to my 8Sleep Pod Pro Cover. The Pod Pro Cover by 8Sleep is the most advanced solution on the market for thermoregulation. It pairs dynamic cooling and heating with biometric tracking. You can add the cover to any mattress and start sleeping as cool as 55 degrees Fahrenheit or as hot as 110 degrees Fahrenheit. The temperature of the cover will adjust each side of the bed based on your sleep stages, biometrics, and bedroom temperature, reacting intelligently to create the optimal sleeping environment. The result? Eight sleep users fall asleep up to 32% faster, reduce sleep interruptions by 40%, and get overall more restful sleep. The Pod Pro covered by Eight Sleep is so popular that it has garnered attention from CEOs, high performers such as Olympic gold medalist Red Gerard, and top CrossFit athletes, including the 2021 fittest man on earth, Justin Medoros, and UFC heavyweight champion, Francis Ngannou. They're all powered by Eight Sleep to make the most of their workouts and recovery. Remember, good sleep is the ultimate game changer. So go to eightsleep.com slash Joe to check out the Pod Pro cover and save $150 at checkout. Eight Sleep ships to the USA, Canada, and the UK. Next up is FTX. I'm sure you've heard of them by now, whether it's because of their partnerships with the Miami Heat, Golden State Warriors, the MLB, or Formula One. Whatever it may be, it's obvious 
that FTX is dominating the crypto conversation in sports. FTX US is a safe, regulated way to buy Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Plus, you can trade crypto with up to 85% lower fees than any other exchange on the market. You can even buy NFTs on the FTX app from top ETH and Solana collections without getting hit with fees. Simply put, FTX gets it, and they want to make crypto exposure accessible, easy, and secure. Download the FTX app on your smartphone today and use code JOEPOMP, J-O-E-P-O-M-P, for a discount on trading fees and start building your portfolio in less than three minutes. It's literally that easy. All right, let's get into this episode. Joe Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of Joe Pompliano and his guests are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion by Joe or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, everyone. I'm fortunate enough to have Ice Cube, the one and only, join me on the show today. Everyone knows who he is, I believe, at this point. Rapper, entrepreneur, actor, so much more. Ice Cube, how you doing, man? What's up with you, Joe? I'm doing good, man. No complaints over here. I actually want to start on kind of a, a random note. But right before I logged in, literally a minute before, I saw that today was the 27th anniversary of Friday. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. I heard uh, DJ Pooh. We wrote it together. He hit me with a happy anniversary. Happy 27th is what he hit me with. So he kind of put it on my radar. That's amazing, man. And what's the story behind that movie again? I feel like I remember reading a while ago that it, it was shot in like less than a month. Basically, like a, a super small budget, it ended up doing big numbers in in theaters, obviously. But when you look at kind of how quickly you guys did it and the budget you were working on, it was really something. Yeah, you know, it was a movie that we shot in 20 days. Me and Pooh. Pooh is one of the funniest dudes I know behind the scenes. He's also, you know, one of the dopest producers I know, especially, you know, coming from the West Coast for sure. And so... You know, it was a thing where we used to always kick it. We would laugh. We would watch In Living Color. We would watch movies like Hollywood Shuffle and just think about, you know, how Robert Townsend put his movie together, a movie called Hollywood Shuffle. He basically took credit cards and made a movie, maxed out all his credit cards. So we we wanted to, to try to do the same thing, you know, make a low-budget movie about the hood. And Friday was the movie we created. You know, what's cool is like when it came out, it didn't it didn't blow up the box office. It was made for two million dollars and the box office. It made like twenty four million. But New Line only put it on maybe five hundred screens. So it wasn't like on a, in a lot of theaters. So it really didn't have a chance to blow, blow. But in those theaters, those theaters were busting at the seams. So it really became a cult classic, you know, during the. DVD era, VHS era, and now, you know, with all the streaming platforms, I mean, Friday is on, it's on cable every, every weekend, you know what I mean? The trilogy. So people love the movie. It's amazing, man. And it's one of the things that I want to touch on before we get into the other stuff. I feel like I got a million different things to ask you and things I want to talk about, but I want to start with your transition throughout your career, because I think it's been amazing to watch, really. You've gone from obviously an incredible rapper. You went to become an actor, right? We just talked about Friday. You've done a bunch of other big time roles outside of that. And now you're an entrepreneur and you're probably an entrepreneur throughout all of that to some degree, right? But you're certainly taking on more of that role today. 
How do you think you've been able to become so successful transitioning to various roles? I guess understanding, you know, who my audience is, understanding who I am, understanding what I'm what I'm good at, what I'm great at, what I'm terrible at, and and being able to make sure that if I was a become a part of a project that I could help it become better. So I just kind of think knowing myself and knowing my audience has really been the key to navigate through this long career. When you think about your career, are you constantly thinking years ahead or is this kind of in the moment you look at things and analyze them as they come up and you're open to new projects all the time? Well, it depends. You know, we have things that, you know, we know that's going to take a year or two to to kind of come to fruition, but also, you know, able to plan out the year and figure out, you know, what benchmarks and what goals I want to meet, what projects I want to present when it comes to movies and TV and, and records and sports. So just looking at the calendar and, and you know, kind of paving the way in front of me is how I approach it. But you got to be willing to take advantage of opportunities as they come, but as well as have a, a long-term plan, which I do both. I love that. So I want to talk a little bit about sports, which you mentioned at the end there. And I think most people probably know by now that you founded the Big Three, which is a basketball league similar to the NBA in some fashion, but it's three on three instead of five on five. The league is the sole entity. You guys own all of the teams in, under the umbrella. I believe there's 12 teams and you guys can travel around and you play these three on three games in front of crowds. Maybe let's start with like why you did this and then we can move into some other things after that. As a fan, just not having enough hoops in the summer. If you're really into football and basketball, like after the NBA finals, you're hurting until September. There's nothing really there for a hoops fan to fill the void, but maybe summer league NBA. And we all know after the first game or two of summer league, people are pretty much done with that and they're waiting for the regular season to start. So it was just a void in the in the market, a void in sports where we could continue and we could continue right after the finals and we can end our season right before the NFL start and we can own the summer. And so that's what we set out to do in 2017 when we started the league. We wanted to own the summer. You know, we're working towards that. Our ratings are you know, incredible. We're out doing a lot of sports that's been around for decades. And so we feel like we're, you know, in a good position to become the new thing that the sports love and public talk about each year. Yeah. So I want to caveat this with you guys are going into your fifth season now. And I think that's an important point because Anyone who hasn't ever attempted to build a sports league or seen someone attempt to build a sports league doesn't understand how difficult it is. It's really, really, really hard to get a new sports league to catch on and build the audience and, and create economic value from that and revenue. You guys are in your fifth season. So that means it's at least going moderately well enough to keep going and continue and you're doing these new seasons. Maybe talk a little bit about how well it is going and, and whatever numbers or statistics you could provide would be helpful. Well, I mean, you know, the league, like you said, it's extremely hard to start a league and to gain traction. We've done it fairly quickly, but then you have to get to a point where your sponsors become long-term partners. And 
you know, as they see that you're going to be around, they see the vision of participating with you in a bigger fashion. So when you start a league, everybody dips their toe in. You know, nobody nobody jumps straight in with you. So you have to prove yourself. We've done that even through a pandemic where we had to shut down for a whole season, which is unheard of for a new league to be able to bounce back from that. And our sponsors have come back bigger, better, stronger, and longer. These one-year deals are now two, three-year deals. You know, we expect to turn those into five, ten-year deals. And that's, you know, how you grow the sport. And, you know, we expect to hit a, a inflection point where the sport is rolling downhill. It doesn't cost a lot. Well, it's a lot of money, but it doesn't cost compared to the budgets of other major sports. It's not a lot to run the big three compared to running any other league that's out there. Most people paid one player <laughs> what it would take to run the big three. So it's not it's not a, a big hump that we have to get over. And we're, we're moving on our way to get over that hump. And so it sounds like your bet is really that three-on-three is more entertaining to some degree, sure. But more people play three-on-three probably recreationally than five-on-five. And if you can own the summer, you're basically filling a void where there's no real competitive high-level basketball. Is that kind of a fair way to look at it? Definitely. Exactly how we're looking at it. You know, we looked around the world and we saw that three-on-three is actually more popular than five-on-five because of space, because of infrastructure in other countries. And we realize more people, more fans, more basketball fans have probably played three-on-three games and five on five. So kids going to school, backyards, playgrounds, schoolyards, you know, the three on three game is alive and well, and it's always been, you know, relegated to outside. And and now we say, well, let's bring them in the arena. Let's play with the big boys, with the, with the pros, and it's working. So, you know, it was a void in the market, but it was a sport that was already just sitting there under the radar. Just somebody needed to take it pro. And that's what we did. Yeah. And I tweeted out before we did the interview and asked people for questions. And one of the ones a lot of people want to know about was your thought process behind how big the league can be. And I'll caveat that with like, I think everyone understands the NBA, right? They do billions of dollars in annual revenue. They have millions of people watching playoff games, certainly, and regular season games also. The audience is certainly there. They have these billion-dollar TV contracts. So it's certainly on a different level. But I think it would be helpful just to hear a little bit about your vision, right? Like, how big can this league become? Well, you know, in our first two years, we expanded from eight teams to 12. We hope to expand to 16 teams next year. And we have a vision of what we call the Big Cup which is, it's like the World Cup, but for three-on-three. And we invite the best three-on-three players from around the world to represent their country. And we play in a tournament and see who's the winner. And I think that brings in the whole world into the big three universe. And so that's our plan for the future, to continue to expand, to also do games in other countries, You know, we've been to Canada. We've been to the Bahamas. We was going to China before the pandemic. We've been talking to South America, Europe, Saudi Arabia, 
you know, so we we plan on taking the sport worldwide. What's great about the big three is we're not connected to any cities. So we can actually play a big three game anywhere in the world. And we're like a rolling all-star game because we come to town with, you know, over a hundred ballers. You know, we got Hall of Fame coaches, champions, first round picks, first overall picks. So I think we have a league that's ready to grow and blow. We have so much talent on the sidelines. So expanding is going to be a piece of cake because we leave so much talent on the sidelines once we draft our teams. So there's enough talent out there, enough interest for this league to continue to grow, you know, even past 16 teams. I saw you were having open tryouts, but although you've never seen my jump shot, I assume that I probably wouldn't make the cut. Is that an accurate assumption? You don't want to come out there, man. You know, (laughs) it's like everybody talk about, I should get up there and try it. When you see them dudes go, when you see seven footers playing three on three, you're like, I'm happy to be right here on the sideline. It's rough. It might be good marketing for you guys in the end if, you know, the video clip of me getting dunked on goes viral and then you guys show them how good your players are. That that could work in your benefit. <laughs> but let's talk about the ownership model for a second, because you mentioned that specifically, how you guys own all of the teams. And this is obviously different than the traditional model that we see across major professional sports in the U.S., whether it's the NFL, NBA, NHL, et cetera. Let's start with why you chose that model. I think you answered that a little bit around now you're able to travel around. You're able to usually this model works for selling sponsorships, right? You can sell across the whole league. You don't have to worry about individual teams. You don't have to okay every decision with the owners. So one, maybe tell me if that's accurate. And then two, let's talk about what you're doing now to maybe decentralize some of that ownership a little bit. Well, we didn't want to be bogged down. We knew with a league like this, we had to be fast. We had to make swift decisions. We had to do things to better the sport without a lot of committees and a lot of, you know, pushback. So we wanted to be swift because we knew we had to tailor make this game. You know, if you look at FIBA, who's been around, you know, almost 40 years, maybe more, it's a pretty amateur style of three on three. And we wanted to have a professional version. And we we wanted it to feel bigger, faster, stronger, and better. And so we wanted to make sure we could do that without having to deal with a lot of owners belly aching about the moves we wanted to make. We saw it work for NASCAR and UFC, and so we wanted to do the same thing. But we knew in success we would get to a point where it's probably better business to sell teams to. You know, we thought we had to do it to big shot owners, you know, rich dudes who, you know, wanted a team, you know what I mean, as a little toy to add to their collection or whatever. So that's what we thought we was going to have to do. But thank God for this, the blockchain technology. Thank God for the NFT, because it gave us a new vision of how we can make these teams have owners, which is called decentralizing the ownership. And why do it with a with a fat cat when you could do it with a cool community? You could do it with fans. You could do it with people who this is going to be their baby and they're going to want to make sure that the team is successful. And they're, they're sick of being passive fans on the sideline 
with no input, no say, no voting rights. You know, even if you bought a minority stake in the NBA team, you still wouldn't have that much power. You know, it's basically hyped up season season ticket (laughs) for millions of dollars. So we wanted to make you feel like an owner and make you feel like you was invested in the league. And so we came with, you know, the big three ownership NFT. And we think it's great with two tiers, a fire tier and a gold tier. To me, it's the future of sports ownership. I think it's super fascinating because I read about this the other day. And my understanding is, and I'll let you clarify kind of the the details around it if you'd like, but there's two tiers, right? As you mentioned, one of them, the token or the NFT costs $25,000 and one costs $5,000. You're selling a number of them, right? Trying to essentially raise $60 million plus for the league. This comes with a variety of benefits, whether it's merchandise, whether it's exclusive access, tickets to games, a bunch of perks, right? You're essentially an owner of the team, Mm -hmm. just like you would find in any other sports league. Talk to me a little bit about the value that you guys plan to give back to the NFT holders, right? Because I think people see this and they say, hey, look, they're going to raise 65 or $66 million, whatever it is, if they sell out of all these tokens. Mm -hmm. But my understanding is that you guys are essentially passing through a lot of that value through the utility that you guys are offering in these tokens. Yeah, I mean, you know, most people understand NFTs. And if you understand it, you know, the utilities part of the NFTs have been lacking. And so we wanted to deliver. What we wanted to do was actually give people feeling of ownership. What would you get if you was an owner, you know? And when you really break it down, you get everything I get. <laughs> you know, it's like... You get ticketing, a lot of love in that. If you show up to a game, definitely treated like an owner, VIP, all access, practices, locker rooms, is press conferences, any kind of get-togethers or any kind of after-parties or pre-parties or anything like that, of course. But also merch, also memorabilia, a lot of sign stuff. If your team wins, you get a ring, and it's for life. You know, this is a lifetime thing. It's not a time limit. Now, I done bought season tickets for the Lakers every year since probably about 94, maybe. And so I ain't going to tell you how much those tickets cost, and that's just one season. And so we feel like the value that we're giving is above and beyond what anybody would get if they were even a season ticket holder. And here you're on. Let's talk about the crypto component for a second. You seem like you've gone down the rabbit hole a little bit. And I don't know if it's just just cryptocurrencies or if it's NFTs or what it is. Maybe talk a little bit about when you first heard about crypto in general and like what got you interested in it. Well, I mean, crypto is, from what I understand, a great way for you know people to kind of pool their resources and, you know, either get behind a project, you know, create a coin. It's really being connected to a community, a chain, and hopefully like-minded people who could, you know, really create other opportunities. That's what's cool about connecting the NFTs to maybe certain communities, because now you get the energy from that community to to blow the league up, to help the league promote. You know, you can find 
talent inside those communities, talent that you may need to execute anything that the league needs done. It gives you reach all over the world with like-minded people. And with our league that's not connected to cities, you want people that's hyper-focused, super fans, so to speak, in all these different places in the world, pushing big three, you know, pumping big three because they own the team. And we just never know how big the league is going to get, how fast. Of course, there's things to work out, but, you know, there's opportunities to participate if teams are actually sold to bigger owners that come in well that might come in and want to buy the whole team. So there's other kind of benefits. And look, voting rights, being heard, having your say, being able to pick uniforms, being able to communicate with the league, being able to communicate with the players and the team and the coach, being able to communicate with the with the uh, refs. I mean, these are things that you would never get as a minority owner in any league that's out there. So we're giving, to me, a lot of power. And that's what we want because we rather have the input of 12,000 people that love the league over 12 owners who, you know, who may have other interests other than the big three on their mind. So to me, it's perfect for us. Yeah, I think there's a few things in my mind to think about when you look at what you guys are doing. And it's interesting because it's certainly not only decentralized, but democratizes the access to becoming an owner of an organization. If you think of basically every major sports league, not even major sports league, any kind of growing or, or prominent sports league, it would cost millions of dollars to be able to acquire an ownership stake. And to your point, really only the majority owners are the ones actually making any decisions relatively to the franchise, right? So, so your point earlier NBA owners, if you're a minority owner, you're still paying millions of dollars and you're getting season tickets. Maybe you get a ring if you're significant enough and and a couple other perks, but you don't really get anything yeah. else. A lot of them don't get any money either. You know, it's all prestige. They don't even get a bonus or, or a cut or anything. Have you thought about investing in any NBA teams or anything else? Or was that just something that you wanted to stay in your lane and basically build your own thing? I wanted to stay in my lane and build my own thing. You know, I love sports. I love the NBA. I love being a fan. So if I owned a team, that would just spoil it for me, you know, as a fan. And I don't get the fan out on too much stuff. So I cherish, you know, what I do get the fan out on. So I didn't want to own a team. But owning a league is a lot different because you want them all to be successful. You know what I mean? You, you want them all to, to win, even though you know, you know, half the teams are going to win, half the teams are going to lose. But at the end of the day, you know, it's not being a crazy owner like <laughs> for an NBA team. I feel like if you were the owner, you'd want to be the GM, the coach. You'd want to make every decision. You, you'd kill yourself basically getting too far into it and ruin it to some degree. Without a doubt. You know, with me, it's better for me to kind of just stay back and cheer because – I love being a part of the big three, and that's really what it's all about. You know, it's, it's having this league and blowing it up and, and extending careers and also discovering careers. It's too fun for me to, to just be on one team. I love it. All right, I got a few more questions for you, and I'm going to go somewhat rapid fire. Just answer 
as much or as little as you want, but hopefully we can move through a few different ones. Bitcoiner, yes or no? You personally? Not yet. Nah, we got to get you some Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to get in there. My son been been on me about getting some, and I should have listened to him about six months ago. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not too late. Yeah. All right. Next one. What's going on with shadow ban on Twitter? I see you tweeting at Elon Musk asking to get unshadow banned. What happened on Twitter? Yeah, man, they've been banning me, you know, kind of not letting all my followers check out my messages that I post. A lot of them have recently hit me saying, man, I forgot you was even on Twitter. I don't even get none of your messages. I, I'm just now getting them now. So that's cool. I'm, I'm happy because of that. I think it's it's shitty to shadow ban. And it's crazy because I've been on the same amount of followers for 10 years straight. Like, I haven't lost any, haven't gained any. That's kind of impossible. So I'm just glad it's being shook up. And hopefully Elon Musk come in there and let freedom ring, so to speak. Let this be a, a real public platform. All the people with the weak stomachs, they can, yes, they can go to Instagram or something. <laughs> We met, we talked about earlier everything that you've done in your career, music, acting, sports, now crypto. Out of everything you've done, what's been the toughest or the most challenging? Creating a big three and making sure that it gains traction. And, you know, that's been hard. There's been a lot of resistance from traditional sports. We've had to fight through the forces we could see and the unseen forces. But they can't stop us. It's, it's too much positivity in the big three and in what we're doing. Too many players want to play. Too many fans want to watch them. And so they can't stop the bum rush. All right, I got another one here for you, and I'll give you a second to think about it if you need it. But you once said, truth is the ultimate power, right? What is something that you believe to be true today that not other people do or maybe an unpopular opinion? Hmm, that everything's corrupt. Everything you look at is a little bit funky. What do you mean by that? Saying everything might be a bit much, but it's a lot of corruption in the world. And, you know, I don't want to be a part of it. I want to be the kind of person that say what he mean, mean what he say, do what he say he's going to do without bullshit in the game. You know, there's too many bullshitters out here. Too many people who want the money, don't want to do the work. And it's not me. If you had to go back to when you were 30 years old, what would you tell yourself? Keep doing what you're doing. Be yourself and don't worry about it. What's something that you see younger people coming up, whether it's rap, whether it's acting, whether it's just entrepreneurship, any mistakes you see people making a lot? Sitting back and waiting for things to happen. You know, this world is about action. You know, my man Ice-T, he said that one time and it really rang true with me. He said, this world is about action. You got to get out there and do it. You got to make it happen. It's not going to just walk up and happen. You got to get your ass up and make it happen. Get in some action. And I'm about that action. You'll love this one, given we just mentioned Elon's name. But there's this story that I read the other day that Elon, basically, you know, he's doing the boring company, right, where they built the tunnels under the cities. They're going to do like subway transportation, essentially. Someone came into him in a meeting, supposedly, and they were going to build, start building a hole for a tunnel. And they said, yeah, we'll start in two weeks. And, you know, maybe it'll take another two weeks from there. and We'll have it done in about a month. And Elon said, why not today? And within 30 minutes, they were digging the hole in the, in the parking lot to start the tunnel. And it was done in 48 hours. Yeah. Right. And 
I think it just speaks to that, right? And if you think about even what he did with Twitter, again, like people can say what they want about him, but I think to your point of like about that action, like he's about that action. He got a 9% passive stake and then three weeks later, he owns the entire business. When you make a decision, I agree. I think a lot of people sit back and they they wait. And next thing you know, if you wait, it'll be a week, a month, a year, 10 years, whatever, right? But I think action is is certainly a big one. It is. You know, you have to make the move. You have to be decisive. He who hesitates is lost. Make up your mind. You know, there's nothing more powerful than a made up mind. When somebody make up their mind, there's nothing nobody else can do about it. Who wins a game of one-on-one? You or Snoop? I think Snoop might get me. You know, Snoop can ball. He's about 6'5". He's wiry. And he, he's hard to move. You know, Snoop. He's he a baller, you know. I ain't gonna get, I ain't gonna take nothing away from him. So he might get me in one on one just because of the height, but you never know. I ain't backing down from no challenges. I like that. We might have to. Uh, we might have to do that. I know he's. I think he's buying two teams, right? So if he, yeah, if he comes in and buys a couple teams, you guys might have to do that at halftime or something of a of a big three game. We <laughs> might, might have to make that happen. Yeah, man. Talk to me about the the D gods. The D-Gods, man, they, I tweeted out and I said, look, I'm going to do this interview with Ice Cube. What questions you got for him? These guys blew up my mentions. They're like, ask him about the D-Gods, ask him about the D-Gods, ask him about the D-Gods. Uh, he owns it, he owns it, he owns it. I think they said you and Shaq each bought one, right? Talk to me about what it is, why you bought it, why you're involved. Like, are these yeah. guys, girls just crazy? What, what's the deal with this? Yeah, I love it. You know, I love the community, man. They so, they like rabbits. They real ferocious. They into it. And me learning about the NFT arts and the, and the big wigs and the great communities out there, it's just cool to, to be able to be a part of one. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I, I can say I'm part of, uh, you know, the D-Gods. And so it's cool to be able to connect with these great communities because, you know, who knows what's going to come out of that? You know what I mean? The, the Mickey's group hooked me up you know, with a one of one. And, you know, that's just amazing. You know, it's just, I salute that people would give me something like that. And it's just cool, you know, just understanding that it's these underground communities that want to lock in, they want to connect, they want to collaborate, they want to trade, they want to buy. It's fun to just kind of start to kind of get my feet wet. I did some things with Trevor Jones, far as my own drop and silly game and so to be able to to really now start finding those great ones to purchase it's fun all right last question for you you're what i would consider a high performer you're doing a lot of stuff at a high level all the time multiple different industries multiple different things you busy what is your daily schedule like do you do anything out of the ordinary? Do you meditate? Do you make sure you sleep eight hours? Do you not drink alcohol? Like, what does your day look like? Man, Joe, I've been doing it like this, like, seems like since I was about 17, 18 years old, just constantly thinking about, you know, either music or, or movies or television, you know, now sports. And we're doing a lot, you know, when it comes to social justice with, with the contract with Black America, you know, still letting them know that I can still get on the mic. So we're touring. It's just a collage of different cool things that I'm into. I pinch myself sometimes and just thank God that I'm 
I'm in this position where I can do a lot of the things that turn me on. You know, I'm a creator, a creator at heart. I love creating it and then like, you know, letting people enjoy it. And while they enjoying that, I'm off creating something else. So that's really what turned me on to be able to to churn out stuff that people like. You know, it's fun. I love it, man. I don't know if this is allowed or if you even do them, but I'm calling calling a 10-day contract right now if there's an ability to get one. I think I deserve it. But if not, at the very least, I'll have to come watch a game this summer and check out what the Big Three is all about. Yeah. I mean, if you want to come to our combine, it's May 14th in Vegas. <laughs> and when you walk in the gym, if you still want to try something, I'll let you get on the court. <laughs> y'all have a y'all have a four-point line, right? Four-point circle. Four-point circle. That's where I'm going to be hanging out. That's the only spot you're going to see me. I'm not going to leave the circle. When, when someone else got the ball, they're going to pass it to me in the circle. That's the only place I shoot from. No problem, man. We'll make sure we have a lot of contractors there to collect them bricks. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll make uh, sure we make a nice patio with them. I should have known you were an excellent shit talker. All right, man. Where can I send people to find out more about what you guys are doing with the big three and how you guys are trying to make more people owners of the individual teams? Man, they should go to our Discord. You know, we got a big three ownership. Man, the whole community is there. We almost had 100,000 people in the Discord. A lot of hype. A lot of people that's very excited about this drop. A lot of information going back and forth about the drop. And so that's the best place. You know, of course, you can get the Big 3 app or you can go to big3.com and, you know, it'll lead you to the promised land. So we're excited, man. It's an exciting time. You know, not only to have something like the big three, but also to be a fan who want to be more than a fan who who actually want to own a piece of a team. Let's do it. Or all the teams, you know, let's do it. I love it, man. I love it. We'll have to do it again next year and we can talk and I'll let you brag about all the success you guys are having. But until then, thank you so much for coming on. This was a lot of fun and I wish you guys the best. Appreciate it, Joe. Thank you, man. All right, everyone. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, I appreciate you listening to The Joe Palm Show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify so that you don't miss any episodes going forward. And if you are looking for additional content, check out my daily newsletter at readhuddleup.com or follow me on Twitter at Joe Pompliano. I hope you have a great day and I'll see you next time.